Welcome back to Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is still the DJ. I haven't gotten rid of him yet. <laughs> I am like How the cockroach. You, <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, except the cockroach should be significantly more attractive. <laughs> it's uh, it, will, it always survives, no matter what you throw at it. It will always survive. Well, first up tonight, we have the topic of surveillance in video games. A couple of days ago, I came across a paper titled uh, In Full. Surveilling the Gamers, Privacy Impacts of the Video Game Industry. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. But it's a paper reviewing the ability of game developers to surveil their gamers. And it reviews different technology, so even just by looking at the way someone plays, most games these days have some sort of telemetry, even if it's as simple as achievements. But that sort of telemetry will tell you something about the player. And games are increasingly asking for more and more permissions, or through their hardware requiring more and more access to your personal life. I mean, we've already seen that so, with uh, VR and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy about VR because VR tends to have cameras. Those mm. cameras can give you an idea of the space someone is playing in. Most VR uses infrared, but particularly if you have a type that has a VR pass-through so that you can see what's around you, or the type that has a... Um, regular visible light style cameras you can have a look at that and get a good idea of what's in a person's room if you can't do that then you can look at how they move in their room and get a good idea of what's in the room or the layout of their room and if you're really lucky you're the connect which was an always on webcam basically always listening Mm mm-hmm But it gets worse than that. So those, you'd think, I have to buy this particular technology. That's a pretty obvious thing when it's in my home that, yes, someone could use that. Although uh, it is possible to export the map of the house from a Roomba and turn it into a Doom map. So you're still not entirely safe, even with things that you'd think wouldn't be able to spy on you. But you can... We spoke about it last week, about tracking gamers in EVE to find out how they play and comparing how they play to their real-world circumstances. And it identified things like gamers in violent places tend to be less violent in-game. Gamers in places with a poor economy tend to be more frugal in game. I and what I'm reading in this paper is that it goes beyond that, and that you can use that sort of data to tell you basically anything you want about the gamer. 
Then we have the additional fun of achievements. Achievements, you might think, are pretty simple. They just tell you, Bob killed 500 enemies. Bob finished the level. But what they also tell you about Bob is some little secret things about his propensity to addiction. His playstyle can tell you his age, his gender, his personality. But that's like, but then doesn't that always um go through? Isn't that always like available through the um like PlayStation Store, for example, or your various stores when you have to put in your details, like my name is so and so, I my age is this age, that kind of thing. You, like you, what if you put in fake details? Ooh. Or for the few things that don't take that. So signing up for, say, the PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store you are creating a profile that has your name and address and age attached to it, but the individual games don't know that about you. Wouldn't IP address um, do that as well, though? Like if you, uh... Yes, but the game developers don't have access to Sony's or Microsoft's database. Oh. For the most part, the game developers can't tell what your account details are on the Sony database unless you use the same... Uh, login name there then they can log in and have a look at the publicly available info on there and wouldn't they also look in through the uh, the spending details like for example if you're using a credit card info and stuff uh, that would be more for games that have microtransactions but that would also be an important one for them to track because microtransactions are the you know, they basically give your payment details, um, well, your spending habits to the game developer. Yeah, I mean, this sort of this sort of behavior reminds me of um YouTube. Remember, you know how uh, when you watch a YouTube video and then all of a sudden um that like that line of YouTube videos will be on your recommended list. Yep. Yeah, it's sort of like that that type of psychology put into games. So like this guy likes way, fighting games. Yes. So we like this guy likes fighting games. So we'll put we'll add fighting games into his uh like if he wants to look for new fighting games, there's some fighting games he can try, that kind of thing. Yes, but that's still a very limited scope compared to what they are actually dealing with. Basically, game developers can find out anything they want about you. So don't they tell can me. Find out. Sorry. So don't tell me. Devi Boy knows where I live. Well, yeah, I told him. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but uh, but that okay. But let's be pra- let's be real though. So if game developers know all your details, isn't that kind of like um? More isn't that kind of intrusive in a sense? Like it's it's it'd be kind of like doxing in a yeah. sense. It is pretty intrusive. Like you can tell someone's emotional state. You could tell if someone is a particularly aggressive person. Do they rage quit a lot? Because there seems to be a link between the sort of people who rage quit and people who are aggressive. Hmm. Although I've. 
Although I've noticed in most games these days, they have uh, they've introduced um, game stats like number of wins, number of uh, special moves you use, or number of uh, kills, or number of deaths. Like they add a yeah. lot, a lot of so, stats these days, and that's very interesting. Like normally, in games- a way, they're showing us what they're already tracking. I mean, we look at that and think that's cool. That's uh, great to look at it but the game developer can tell us a whole bunch of other stuff they might be tracking stuff that they aren't showing and by feeding that information into a model they can make predictions about you So I know I might have, I might have asked this question for a lot of our, our game developing um, stuff, but from your from a game developer standpoint, is this consequential to game developing as a whole? Um, I think it raises the question. It's a reminder that we can tell all of these things about a player based on information that we gather in game. But should we? So this paper's quite in-depth about the sort of information you can infer from a player's uh, play style. And even beyond that, if you can tell by the peripherals they are using what kind of person they are, what social class they're in as well. Obviously, someone who owns a Valve Index is going to be in a likely to be in a far higher social class than someone who owns the uh, Oculus Quest, which costs uh, like... Oculus Quest uh, costs like 200 doesn't it? Oh, wait, no. Yeah, it's in the in the area of about 300 A Vive Index is close to 2000 So that would obviously tell you, give you an idea that the person who owns the index is most likely a higher social class than the person with the quest because they have more disposable cash. But not only that, the hardware in your PC, the console, especially now that consoles are releasing uh, multiple variants that have different powered hardware, like the Xbox uh, X and S, and the PlayStation Slim, which it used to be you'd get the Slim model and it would mostly be a physical change. The hardware would change a bit. Sometimes they'd drop reverse compatibility with older games. Mm. But the... um... Now we can tell that someone who owns the full-size PS5 is likely better off than a person with a slim. And all of this can be fed into models that would let you manipulate people, I think is the key issue here. That from a game developer's perspective, this sort of information is exactly what you need to target the whales. We all know that games 
make most of their money from a small handful of players. The goal is to get that handful of players addicted so that they want to spend boatloads of money. And they're known as whales. So I think from a game developer perspective, using this sort of data to get people addicted is pretty morally wrong. But from a privacy perspective, this data goes out over the internet. And the golden rule of the internet is that it will be hacked. <laughs> I thought the golden rule of the internet is the internet never forgets. Well, that too. The one thing I, I would wonder is, where does the consumer rights come into this? Because, you know... We're the consumers, and we have we have our own sets of rights. When like when we buy a product, we ought to be protected. Like, where does the consumer yes. rights fall into this category, though? Uh, I'd go for um, the GDPR as a good example there, because the GDPR lets you go to a company and basically asks them to delete all the data they have on you. Unfortunately, we don't have anything like that in Australia. What about the um, EPF? Wouldn't they do it, though? No. They're uh, more of an activist group. They don't have the power to make the laws yet. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, for the audience, it's not EPF. It's... Uh, oh, what was EFF? It? Yeah, that's one. The EFF. Yeah. Yes, the EFS does not have the power for that. I know, they might not have the power, but at least they can raise the awareness to, like, all the organizations. Well, like, for example, uh, if it were to go to America, for example, they go to this, the senators and stuff and warn them, like, hey, these companies are breaching privacy rights. Like, where's the civil liberties and stuff? Well, yes, but they still don't make the most impact. Hmm. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of uh, impact that they've actually had. They bring up a lot of information to all of us about the sorts of issues we're facing, but the companies just kind of ignore it because it's not legally uh, legally binding. And unfortunately, the political will isn't there in a lot of the world yet. Oh, come on. It's the same... Oh, come on, where was the... There was a lot of political will, like, for example, when the loot boxes drama fiasco... When the loot boxes drama came kicked in. Okay, that's one minor aspect. Well, it's a large aspect, but it's one aspect of a massive problem. And look at how many years it took to get the conversation to loot boxes. A lot, yeah. Still, It's still going, interestingly. Yeah. Although, there's only a couple of countries that have actually brought in laws to deal with loot boxes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Curiously, though, um, would you also use loot boxes as a way of uh, surveillance? Well, I'd bring them up to the same idea as the monitoring to cause addiction. Hmm. Because, uh, like I said, most games make most of their money from whales. So... You're not after the people who are only buying one or two loot boxes. You're after the people who are dumping thousands of dollars into it. 
So if you could identify who those players are and work out how to hook them, then you'd be very well off. And let me guess, that that formula is very, very elusive. It is, but this is the sort of data that would make it a lot easier. Hmm. Not to mention, some of these things can make many predictions. Uh, like, the Wii Fit was specifically designed and advertised as a medical device. Not as in the... Um, Not in the use and doctor's offices way, but it collects medical data about you. What if that gets hacked while it's being sent back over the internet to the game servers? Someone could hack into your account and find out some significant information about you, and probably sell the and probably sell the info to the highest bidder. Yeah. So it's an attack vector. Should we really be opening that attack vector? Is that a can of worms we really want to open? I mean, it's. I think the can of worms has already been opened. I mean, remember the old days when uh, terrorists used Call of Duty as a way to communicate with other players and and to um, take tell them to join the organizations. Yeah, I was going to get to that. The NSA, I think, wanted about. 10 years ago, wanted permission to spy on video game conversations because they thought terrorists were using the in-game chat to talk about terror stuff. So we're looking at governments, hackers, unsavory businesses like Facebook, sue me, Mark. Uh, <laughs> All of that sort of stuff. And do we... Is this a can of worms we should be opening? I don't think so. But that, uh, but the scary part's going to be that can of worms, no matter how no matter how much we deny that, it's going to be opened up pretty... It's going to be opened up pretty soon. Like, it, it's only a matter of time before, they op- before that can of worms gets opened. And it's not only going to be terrorist organizations, it's going to be, like, even um, government organizations. Like, let's say, for example, you and I were playing a game of Call of Duty, and I say something like, oh, I'm going to own you, I'm gonna, it's going to be the worst day of your life. Imagine law organizations listen to this and they go, he's, he's going to... Pr- Are you worried about things you say in a game coming back to haunt you in real life? I mean, it's already happened. Like, remember the guy who did runes... Uh, the guy who... Uh, Said some, said uh, a lot of things on RuneScape and got arrested for it. I don't know that one off the top of my head, but it wouldn't surprise me. So there's a certain amount of logging which is important. Now, I have been talking up all the negatives, but there are valid reasons for this. Mostly, it's bug detecting. It's designing games to be more fun. Now, whether you think that being able to look at your personality and design a game to appeal to you is cool, or if you think that's a bit of a weird cyberpunk moment, either way, uh, it's catching cheaters and people who are abusing people in-game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I can understand the whole like catching cheaters and stuff because although mind you this is like it's it's like the whole steroid argument like the more law enforcement and the surveillance and game companies catch up in terms of catching the cheaters the cheaters upgrade their tech to like 10 or 20 years more and they do that's always been an issue it's an arms race yeah. and that's why we're seeing increasingly invasive DRM and increasingly invasive anti-cheat yeah uh, yeah I agree with you the, but the question would be like even if I grant you the fact that these sorts of measures are for like catching cheaters and catching people who are uh, toxic and stuff on the internet even if I grant you those facts that this is for the greater good the question always ends up with what's the price like are we sacrificing our liberties to to do whatever we want on the internet for something heavy handed I sound yes, that's the inner libertarian in me. Like it's just like it's going down a very dangerous path. Remember, about six months ago in Australia, the government wanted us to have to sign up for social media with a hundred points of ID. Oh yeah, I don't know if that's a term used outside Australia, but that basically means you need to provide your driver's license and your passport or other equivalent ID. For social media? Oh, I remember that. That was that was really messed up. And China also links your gaming accounts to your real person. And just a week or two ago, announced they, funnily enough, around the same time as Korea lifted their curfew, but announced a gaming curfew for school-aged children. Yeah, what was it? Three hours a week. No more than three hours a week. (laughs) And something like session limits of one hour at a time. (laughs) Yeah. So I just don't think this is a can of worms we should really be opening. Okay. I think the potential for harm is a lot more than the potential for good. Okay, we're we're talking about the uh, when is the the when when is this can of worms going to be opened? The other question would be, who will open this can of worms? Exactly. There's a reason I don't trust companies to hold my data. Well, I do, but I don't like it. On the other hand, I also acknowledge that Google likely has better security than anything I could run on a server in my bedroom. Really, Google has better security than the than the than the Chinese computers. Yeah, I mean, Google has a whole team dedicated to security. I'm one person. I can't possibly run a Google grade server in my bedroom. Yeah, that's but true. We've uh, spoken about China a couple of times in the last few minutes, so let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> DJ, what's going on in China? Oh, uh, so... Okay, so while China is doing that thing, <laughs> China is also doing a lot of other things. One including is uh, banning eff- effeminate men, or as they call it, sissy men <laughs> on TV. <laughs> And they're doing this to promote, uh, quote-unquote, revolutionary culture. Uh, Broadening a campaign to tighten control over business and society and enforce official morality. 
Because they think that all men must be manly men <laughs> and not sissy men. <laughs> Jeez, China. So Xi Jinping went. So Xi Jinping went further uh, on the na- China's National Radio and Television Administration, which published gui- guidelines uh, urging broadcasters to stop programs portraying effeminate behavior and other warped content. And the government body also said so that this pretty yeah. stand. You know, homophobic and transphobic stuff. Uh, I wouldn't Not that say I that. expect much from the uh, Chinese government. I know, but here's the thing, though. Like you, like I, I watch a couple of K drama, and depending on the guidelines, what are they, how are they gonna, what are they gonna do? Like, what, what do they constitute as sissy men? Like, I want to know what the sissy me- what sissy means. Like, somebody please define sissy for me. <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> like, well. It says it right there, effeminate. Yeah, but then like it's it it. What if it's just by looks only though, and not like by behavior? That's a good, good question. Yeah, that does remind me of the TikTok drama where TikTok were hiding accounts of people who were fat or minorities, because <laughs> instead of dealing with the problem of people being harassed on TikTok, they decided to solve the problem by sweeping it under a rug. <laughs> So yeah, so the government body said that this selection said the selection of actors and guests should be carefully controlled with political literacy and moral conduct included as criteria. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember a few years back, didn't they ban uh, ban men kissing and holding hands on TV? Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was a, I recall, there was a TV Mine show where that, but yeah, it, there was um, a, there was a TV show they uh were I think the the two men were doing all this stuff and uh, yeah they 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 did that, but uh, <laughs> what the what the interesting part is, this transformation is uh is from a capital centered centered to people centered. That's how they play. That's how they're putting it. Propaganda. <laughs> Pretend it's not about uh, the economy. Pretend it's about the people, because we're gonna protect the gay and effeminate men from what exactly? Yeah, and here's what a, are we uh, protecting? <laughs> and also, what are they gonna do about manly-looking women? <laughs> That's like, a good question. A manly woman banned, or just girly-looking men? <laughs> Like this is basic. They basically. I say, what do they think about Tilda Swinton? Oh no! <laughs> run, Tilda, run, run! That's kind of interesting. I kind of want to make a, a video of um, androgynous celebrities like Tilda Swinton and David Bowie when he was in that dress, and <laughs> feed that into the Chinese internet somehow. I have no idea how I'd actually perform this experiment, but I'd feed it into the Chinese internet and see how it reacts to androgynous people, which is sort of the point. Sissy men, like effeminate men, are also to an extent androgynous. Yeah, and uh, it, like and so th- from what I've gathered, like this is basically trying to minimize Hollywood's Western influences. I think that's what they're trying to do. And I have a question for yeah. Hollywood. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That does oh. sound possible because uh, there is increasing acceptance of 
gay and trans people in Western media. Yeah. And uh, I got a question for Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood, do you still want Panda to the Chinese market because of this? <laughs> Is it true, based on this change, that... What's her name? The actress from Mulan? Yeah. Is in trouble because of these new laws? No, the actress from Mulan, I think she was... She's in... I don't think she was in trouble for anything. Like, she, all, all I know is okay. she was in trouble for, like, supporting Hong, the Chinese troops. But this was for some... I think this was something yeah, else. Yeah, she supported the Chinese control of Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I saw a comment the other day about her being in trouble with the system. Yeah. But I'd need to look into it. Yeah. And... Uh, Zhao uh, Wei uh, apparently has been... Blacklisted. Disappeared from streaming platforms. Oh yeah, is yeah. that who that is? Zhao, yeah. Last week, Zhao Wei got blacklisted. Yeah, for and yeah, she got scrubbed off the internet as well. No, she's not from. Uh, no, she is. It must be a mistake on the Wikipedia page because it says she was in the 2009 Mulan. Oh no, that's uh, a Chinese version. That's the deal. <laughs> okay, yeah, so there's a Chinese Mulan, and then the. 2019 or was it 2020 reboot 20 i think 2020 i think but yeah so you know they're cracking down over the past few years doing it but this seems to be another level of cracking down on chinese celebrities do you remember jack ma who owns alibaba went missing for a bit yeah, 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 and he was, and he came back with all smiles and smiles and everything. Pro Chinese government. <laughs> Do you want to? Uh, I, I found the uh, the rules, quote unquote. Okay. Okay. Read so, them off. okay, number one: boycott illegal or immoral personnel when selecting entertainers and guests, radio, television, and internet platforms. Should not employ people who have an incorrect political political stance, break laws and regulations, or speak or behave against public order and morals. Number two, boycott traffic-only, quote-unquote, standards. Idol selection shows cannot be shown, as well as shows starring children of celebrities. Shows should strictly control voting, cannot induce and encourage fans to shop or buy membership in order to vote for their idols. Number three, boycott an overly entertaining trend, promote traditional culture, establish a correct beauty standard, boycott... Now, my favourite thing about China saying uh, highlight traditional culture, they do know what Chairman Mao did, right? <laughs> you know, well, that no, no. whole thing where they erased traditional Chinese culture. What's even funnier for me was the first rule of how they like do not employ people who have incorrect political stance and stuff. Hey Hollywood, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> well, this is I hate the term because it's basically just calling people out for being jerks. But this is government sanctioned cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, which I suppose. To invoke Poe's law, uh, the final solution was government-supported cancel culture. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. Let, let, let me continue. I mean, we already know China's uh, doing horrible things to the. Sorry, I'm always getting this pronunciation wrong. The wig here. The the um the Uyghur Uyghur. That's it. Yeah. China, what are you doing? <laughs> and he, and like, here's the, but here's the problem though. With Ch- when it comes, to, well, here's the problem though, right? China, even though they they're always like considered the uh, the 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 contrarians, they always influence the Western world. That's the scary part. Well, that's what multiculturalism is. It's influence from everywhere. Yeah. So we have companies in the West pandering to China because China is the world's biggest market. You know, a billion people. You'd be a bloody idiot not to go after a billion people who could buy your product. Oh, yeah. Do yeah. you hate money or something? <laughs> but, but on the, the other se- hand, we've got China doing this stuff. Fortunately, we're not doing it over in most of the West. Oh really? Uh, I mean, uh, tw- I mean, Twitter is doing it though. <laughs> like, I mean, big not tech is do- bad as government sanction though. Yeah, there's yeah. a difference between what we see as cancel culture and governments actually taking an active role in suppressing people they don't like. Most Western countries are, you know, coming to terms with gay and trans people. There's still a handful, particularly Eastern Europe and South America, that aren't. China has just taken a big step back. <laughs> all, right, all right, let me let me continue on with this one. So, um, yeah, so where was I? All right, traditional culture, uh, establishing a correct beauty standard, boycott, quote unquote, sissy Wait, idols. Correct beauty standards. <laughs> That is like the TikTok thing where fat and ugly people were hidden. <laughs> Does this mean you can't have ugly people on TV? I mean, look at look, look at Hollywood movies, for example. Like they they're doing it, even though they There's they're still doing ugly people in uh, Hollywood. Yeah, and people who aren't but... conventionally attractive. <laughs> yeah. But then the problem is though, like the they always mask it under things like body positivity and stuff, even though <laughs> not always. Yeah, yeah, but um... I mean, some shows take take people who are specifically cast to be ugly, and don't bother doing anything about body positivity. Um, it crowd has that episode where Roy ends up dating Judy or Julie, and he thinks he's gotten in with the hot one, but he ends up with this ugly woman <laughs> that's an older example um like older as in a decade old not particularly old yeah um they like steve Pasimi isn't a particularly handsome guy sorry uh, steve if you're listening which i doubt but just in case <laughs> you mean steve like, Buscemi? however you pronounce it oh yeah yeah I always get those sorts of names wrong because I I try to phonetically read them, but I don't um, pronounce them. <laughs> pronounce them right, yeah. Uh, like he's not the most attractive beauty standards kind of guy. Yeah, I I I, I get you. I, that's, that's true. That's true. But uh, okay, so let me continue on with the rules. So. Uh... So boycott CC idols, 
boycotting daunting wealth, gossip, or <laughs> vulgar, vulgar internet celebrities. <laughs> okay, so just for fun, I googled ugly actors to see if there were any examples that weren't coming to mind, and I found an IMDb list created yeah. by a a user, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so top five of their top 50 ugliest male actors Jack Nicholson <laughs> Robin Williams what no no way Robin's not ugly no what are you kidding that's sacrilege sacrilege I tell yeah, you like you gotta get a six before you even get Danny DeVito <laughs> okay who's third uh third is Tommy Lee Jones and then we have Christopher Walken and Sean Penn. Sean Penn? Really? Sean Penn? Nah. Yeah, I feel like they've just picked random actors, because some of them I agree with. Nah, um, Sean Penn, really? Seriously? Nah, I'm looking at a picture of him know, right now, he doesn't look ugly as hell. Like, what nah, the hell? Danny DeVito sort of really plays into not being attractive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve Buscemi's yeah. a little bit weird looking. Um... Okay, this may okay. This may sound unpopular, but whenever I look at C. Bushimi, I'm thinking of Ro- Macaulay Culkin when he gets older. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you right? Oh yes, I've seen that meme. Yeah. When um, <laughs> which to be fair, he had some drug issues, so he hasn't aged the best. <laughs> okay, who's the last person in that list that's ugly? Uh, just scrolling through it. Gary Busey? What? No! <laughs> Gary Busey? Meatloaf. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you've got that one. Meatloaf is a bit odd looking. <laughs> yeah, especially when his voice breaks. <laughs> Remember that infamous uh, AFL final? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, meatloaf. Uh, Tim Curry. T- uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Tim Curry, yeah, okay. He has aged. He has aged a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, you know, it doesn't matter if they're ugly. They're. <laughs> I was just looking for examples to jog my memory. Uh, <laughs> why would you? filter out people who aren't perfectly attractive i think they're trying to they're trying to like um they're just trying they're trying to make uh they're, they're trying to remind people okay think about your roots this whole thing is a lie like yeah and probably also presenting an image yeah it's yeah. starting to feel a little bit north korea over there <laughs> but here's the str- he, but, he, but he okay here's the sad part though where like Hollywood is going that route? This is what okay. Are they? Yeah, has I mean, Hollywood banned ugly actors? Because all of the actors on this list who I would consider unattractive still have great careers. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay, I'll grant you that fact. But they're also ba- but they're banning like uh, they're they're banning cer- like certain races, like certain stuff. You know, is Hollywood doing that? Hollywood's becoming increasingly diverse they are becoming increasingly diverse i'll grant you that but the problem is it's it's not by it's by forceful it's by force 
in a sense, like community, like uh, public opinion kind of thing, you know? I don't see the problem with keeping up with public opinion, as long yeah. as public opinion isn't something horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it used to be public opinion to lynch black people in the US. That's not, not cool. Not acceptable. Yeah. That's an example of when you wouldn't want to follow public opinion. But public opinion that black people are cool and just as people as white people? That's public opinion that I would want to follow. That's true. That's true. But yeah, uh, let me continue on with the rules before we uh, <laughs> before we start granting all, right. all this stuff. So Let's get through f- that quickly then. Yep, okay. So number four, boycott high pay in the entertainment industry, strictly regulate payments for guests, encourage celebrities to participate in charity shows, punish fake contracts and tax evasion. Ah, okay, yeah, I, can, I like that. Okay. Okay, uh, yeah. No- um, I mean, actors are, you know, it makes sense that actors are paid millions of dollars because that's the amount of money that comes in from a movie but i see there china is possibly trying to knock down the upper class a little yeah yeah uh, uh, number five regulate showbiz staff enforce licensing to uh, TV ho- television host provide professional and moral training entertainers should not use their profession and fame to gain profit <laughs> entertainers should not use their profession or fame to gain profit <laughs> oh. okay. um, some of these are starting to sound very communist which uh-huh. I suppose makes sense yeah uh, number six, promote professional commentary in the entertainment industry. Insist on correct political direction and values. Criticize the fake... So ugly- don't make anything that doesn't make uh, toe the line and make the party out to be the great, wonderful Chinese couple. Uh, that, too, that, and plus, like, they say, criticize the fake, ugly, and evil values. Yeah... I mean, they're like. I think they're also trying to say the whole "don't use, do not use misinformation," in a sense. Like, okay, but it's China, so yeah. <laughs> look at the ulterior motive there. <laughs> yeah, uh, number I seven. Think in China, it's far more likely that they're doing it to suppress, uh, suppress. What's the word I'm looking for? Suppress rebellion. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, number seven. Entertainment associations should provide more training and establish mechanisms for industry regulation as well as criticize bad examples. Alright. <laughs> and number eight, regulators regulators need to be more accountable, listen to the people and respond to their concerns. Fill public space with positive and mainstream shows. <laughs> How many more of these are there, DJ? That's just that's the last one. Okay. Hey, hey, hey! This is this is what happens when you let a certain group run everything. <laughs> the party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's yeah. the thing. Like, he, he, this is here's the thing. This could this could app this could happen over here. I mean, I worry about that because if we let some Puritan run run everything and let and all of a sudden. Like they're gone to like I'm I'm here uh, I'm here today and gone tomorrow. Like some minor social in- or infraction, my social media could be scrubbed. On the other hand, there's a, a difference because in China, 
the social media is controlled by the state. If the state doesn't like you and you get kicked off the social media, you're screwed. Yeah. In the West, you have options. Yeah, but the problem is- They're not is particularly that- good options. Yeah, but here's the problem though. Like, there are options, yeah, but the problem is they all, there's always the extreme voices and they're going to move the goalposts and be like, spread everything we don't, spread thing we don't like or say anything we don't like and we'll boot you from the internet and destroy your career. So, I mean, this, hey, hey, Hollywood, this is what communism looks like and I bet you Disney, I bet you, I wonder if Disney knows what this was coming. <laughs> Uh, I think Disney knows that China is a horrible... Like, look, it's fine for the vast majority of Chinese people, but the government of China is doing horrible stuff to people like the Uyghurs. Yeah, the Uyghurs, yeah. yep. And now they're taking a big step back on LGBT acceptance. Disney sees that. Disney don't care. Disney wants that billion people market. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, uh, to sum up, this is basically saying capitalism bad, social uh, communism good. You have to enforce correct beauty standards and the correct opinions, or else. That's the Chinese government in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> and, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we've we, we, we really got to move on. Yep. <laughs> to our next topic. News from somewhere much closer to home. Space, the final frontier. We have, launching from Australia this weekend, the first commercial rocket launch from mainland Australia in possibly ever. So the launch will be... uh, TI spaces or TI space maybe 10.2 meter two stage orbital rocket HAPIF-1 launching from uh, Port Lincoln in New South Australia Uh, so so this is uh, specifically from the Whalers Way launch site Uh, looks like the Actually, I've just gone and had a look at some more info. The rocket is still being delayed. And there are many protesters out there because it is a quite picturesque place. The, um, there are protesters there because it's a touristy place. And tourists, well, touristy places don't like anything that might threaten their, it's just not in my backyardism. Ah, yeah, yeah. In the past, the company Southern Launch has also launched from Kubiba Aboriginal lands in South Australia. I think, yeah, it is a bit odd that apparently it is quite close to a conservation zone. And I kind of understand a little bit. It's a launch site in a relatively small town on the other hand it's just a bunch of nimbyism this is the future we need rockets give us rockets let us go to space (laughs) we'll go to space and we'll leave you alone to have your little town on the coast (laughs) so could you think this rocket uh, like Australia coming into the 
into the uh, space, having its own space agency and stuff, are we going to be seeing a big new space race? I mean, we've already talked about the space race in terms of Amazon versus uh, yeah, versus uh, Virgin, for example. So, like, do you reckon? So, what's interesting is that the launch sites all seem to be in southern Australia. And historically, that's been true as well. We used to have a launch site in Woomera. But the problem is the latitude is far too low for most types of launches. The whole reason why the American launch sites are as far south as they can get them is because you want to launch from close to the equator for 90% of missions. So this will be a fairly low volume site compared to somewhere like uh, Canaveral or Space Base Texas. So I think they're just overreacting a bit. It's going to be an entirely minor deal compared to any other rocket launch site. Where we should be building a launch site is up near, up past Cairns. (laughs) Then we'd be competitive for launching to equatorial orbits. But Maybe they're specifically aiming to go after the polar orbits. I don't know. Still, I think it's pretty damn cool. I do like this uh, statement from a Port Lincoln resident. If they want to make a development, they can go out to London or England where there's heaps of concrete already. (laughs) Because London and... London or England? Like, what? That's as dumb as saying England is my city. (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah I personally think it's a bunch of nimbyism yeah yeah I mean the, but I, you I, obviously I mean, can't build a rocket launch site in England because there's tons of people there you couldn't have the clearance you need and also it's not a very good launch site <laughs> just like I said you want to be close to the equator for most types of launches you don't want to be in London for a launch to most orbits. Nah, nah. And plus, if if you want to do it, in, yeah, if you want to do it in the middle of London, like uh, there's not much barren places in London. Yeah, like, I don't think there's. Um, you know, just looking into this uh, topic the other day, I don't think the people there uh, understand what's going on really. Like, obviously, on the ground there, they know better than I do what the area is like. I've only been there once, yeah. like, and 10 years pe- ago before there was a rocket site there. Yeah. And what people don't also realize is that think of the, uh, like, like yeah, okay, uh, it could also bring jobs, guys. <laughs> could bring in people, bring in jobs more. Jobs and growth. Jobs and growth. Jobs yeah. and growth, guys. Space tourism. Yeah. People want to go to watch rocket launches because rocket launches are bloody awesome. <laughs> you know, you just reminded me of um, the Simpsons when they brought it, where uh, they NASA was going like, "Okay, we're losing interest. People are losing interest in the rocket launch. What's our next best idea? Let's put the common man in in the, in the space shuttle." Yeah, I'm not sure how that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh- like I get, I get they're trying to protect the environment and stuff, but these sorts of things don't tend to go ahead without protecting the environment, and they're comparing it to a mine. Realistically, it's a far smaller operation than a mine. 
there's far less ecological disturbance, there's far less land taken up, and at the end of it, you just tear down the launch structure and it's basically back to nature. Unlike a mine where you have to fill it in and rehabilitate. Yeah. I like one of the, uh, one, one of the quotes from Southern Launch. Uh... The bigger the rocket, the bigger uh, the bigger the rocket, the louder the noise. These are very small rockets. We could, we have an active water deluge system, so there will be water sprayed all over the place, uh, which will help to dampen the noise as well. Yeah, you still don't want to get too close. Yeah, and uh, they said. Uh, we had- anyway, moving on to our next space topic for the night. Sure. You know what's less cool? Twenty twenty one and Y one. It's an asteroid, which in the next month is going to come past the Earth and is considered hazardous. Aww. So NASA defines near-Earth objects as any asteroid or comet that comes less than 1.3 astronomical units from the Earth. An astronomical unit is the distance from the Earth to the Sun. So, by comparison... Uh, annoyingly, these this article is in miles, but the moon is twenty four thousand miles away. Twenty twenty one NY1 is going to come within ninety three thousand nine hundred and thirty thousand miles, so it's close. It's not that close, but it is close enough to be a little bit concerned. Don't freak out too much about it, but you know. You might want to carry an umbrella or something to hide under when it happens. You know what's going to be funny, though? I wonder how many doomsday prophecy people are going to go like, Quick! It's coming! It's the end! Yeah. So, the asteroid is comparable in size to a school bus or smaller, but is unlikely to impact Earth. (laughs) Oh, well. It, uh, although we mind missed you, our it, chance to end the universe. <laughs> although, mind you, remember um, there was a footage of a comet when it crashed Earth and distru- and just uh, shook a town in Russia. Yes, the Chelyabinsk meteor. Yeah, that. that and there was that. a significant meteor um, just a couple of days ago in Brisbane. I'm not sure if the cause has been identified yet, but it was a rather large meteor unfortunately I didn't see it I've seen some videos uh, travelled across the sky for quite some time before breaking up not sure if it's a meteor or a rocket re-entry though it's cool but we'll have a quick break for uh, advertising sponsors this episode brought to you by whoever that goes in there and then we'll get on with our shout-outs. Right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so for the shout outs, we've run a bit over time, so let's get through this quickly. Uh, on, the ni- on the 9th of the 11th, no, September 11th, 
confuse myself because Americans write dates wrong. September 11th this year, we passed the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks against the World Trade Center. The attacks, which I'm sure everyone knows about. Um, two, well, several aircraft were hijacked and two were flown into the World Trade Center buildings, causing them to collapse. And one was flown into the, uh, the Pentagon and one crashed in a field when the passengers took it back from the hijackers. Uh, 3, 000, somewhere around 3,000 people died in the event and it's the deadliest terrorist attack ever. And just about everything in international policy with the Middle East seem, and the West seems to have stemmed from that in the, since then. You could write so many books about the way the world changed after 9-11. And we just don't have time to go into there. On the 5th of September 2021, we have Michael Keaton's 70th birthday. Michael Keaton is known for being Bruce Wayne in the Tim Burton Batman movies. So for playing Jack Butler and Mr. Mum, Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice, and Adrian Toomes or the Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. He's not related to Buster Keaton or Diane Keaton, and did not name them after himself after them. Because there's the uh, screen acting guilds in the various countries have rules about names. You can't have the, um, the same name as another actor. So Michael Keaton had to pick a new name and got went through a list of names and got to the K's and decided Keaton sounded inoffensive. Little does he know that Keaton, in the language of the uh, Quasorpians, is utterly offensive and I cannot say it now or they will hunt me down <laughs> and kill me. He was born Michael John Douglas. So you can see the confusion with the other Michael Douglas. When he was in the uh, Tim Burton Batman movies, he negotiated a break in the contract in case the Pirates made the playoffs that year. Because he was a big, big Pittsburgh Pirates fan. (laughs) That has got to to be awesome. Imagine getting a contract like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he must have been seriously obsessed. Uh, On the 7th of September, we pass the 85th anniversary of the death of the last Phylacene. The last captive Phylacene, who was named Benjamin, lived at Hobart Zoo until his death on the 6th of September. And as part of the anniversary, they've remastered the last known uh, footage of a living Phylacene. While filming the footage... David Flay was bitten on the buttock. <laughs> oh, after uh, Benjamin died, the zoo expected it would soon find a replacement and his death was not reported in the media. Although, the uh, unfortunately, this was just shortly after the official protection of the species was introduced and the species is now officially extinct. Possibly not. There's a lot of people who think they've seen them. It's like our sort of friendlier Bigfoot. No, we have the Bunyip, which is our sort of Bigfoot and Yowies. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, <laughs> you get my point. It's something officially doesn't exist, but lots of people reckon they've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, the Yowie is more like a Bigfoot. I do wonder, though, like, getting a bit off topic there, but there's so many cultures of um, stories about large, hairy people. Like Bigfoot, Bunyip, sorry, Bigfoot, Yowie, uh, Abominable Snowman, Sasquatch. I do wonder what the sort of the root story is for that. On the night from- I don't know. So I, I, I've heard some crazy stories, but yeah, they're, they're, we can go. We can, we can talk to the conspiracy theory mob about that. Yeah. Uh, on the night of September, we passed another anniversary of an Aussie animal, the twenty-fifth anniversary of Crash Bandicoot. I love reading about the development of Crash Bandicoot because it was really pushing the capabilities of the PlayStation to its limits. And it was also teaching the uh, developers of the game how to make polygons and whatnot. Yeah, and the whole level design, the reason it's so populated for a PlayStation 1 game is because the camera is tightly on rails and they went through and optimised each section to hide areas and cut it down so that it could keep an acceptable frame rate. They codenamed it Sonic's Arse Game because the... Uh, player would have been always looking at Crash's backside. <laughs> yes, it's a hell of a story. So the development started before Super Mario 64 released. <laughs> they were originally going to call it Willy the Wombat. <laughs> yeah, and the marketing team decided. Okay, it's okay if, if not Willy, we'll have Wes, Wazzles, or Wizzy. No, like, not Wizzy. No, <laughs> that did not not Wizzy. <laughs> and on the seventh of September, seventeen forty-one, we have our remembrance. Blas de Lezlo, Lezo, Admiral Blas de Lezo Olivarita was a Spanish Navy officer best known for the Battle of Cartagena de Indias in Colombia, where Spanish forces under his command defeated a British invasion force under Admiral Edward Vernon. And the reason we picked him is because he had a hell of a story of getting injured. He lost his left eye, left hand, mobility in his right arm, and had his left leg amputated after being hit by a cannonball. He wore his wounds as medals and refused to wear an eye patch over his blind eye. <laughs> that will strike fear into yeah. anyone who who sows dissent. And the uh, the interesting part is uh, the story of the Carthaginia, Carthaginia the Indias. That was also a very very le- legendary story as well. How to go? Uh a lot, a lot of people died. <laughs> let, let me put it that way. That, that long story short. Okay, so a particularly bloody battle. Yep. For our birthday, we have on the seventh of September, eighteen twenty-nine, August Kekule. They couldn't have named him September Kekule. <laughs> Friedrich August Kekule, later Friedrich August Kekule von Stradonitz, was a German organic chemist. 
He was the principal founder of the theory of chemical structure and the Kekuli structure of benzene. He actually came up with the shape for benzene from a dream that he had about an Ouroboros. <laughs> I wonder if that was if that was the ref, if, if that's where they got the reference of Professor Farnsworth and how he developed the dark matter engine. He came to me in a dream. Possibly. Possibly also so they didn't have to explain how it worked. <laughs> he was born in Darmstadt, the Grand Duchy of Hesse. And for our events of interest, we have on the 7th of September 1909, the first casualty of a powered heavier-than-aircraft crash. The pilot was Eugene Lefebvre, sorry, I can't say that one. He was the chief pilot of the Wright Company in France, and while flying a French-built Wright biplane, uh, poor weather made it, meant that they weren't able to fly during the day, so he started stunt flying at around 6pm during a... Uh, sorry, this wasn't the instance where he died. This was a race, one of the first air races, I suppose. The Gordon Bennett Trophy. Uh, the New York Times described that Eugene, so I don't have to say his name because that's hard, came diving in at the crowded tribunes, turned in the nick of time when sailing off, swooped down again till he made the flags and the pillars and the plumes on the ladies' hats flutter, and so played about at will for our report applause. He was fined four dollars for displaying excessive recklessness and daring. <laughs> Damn, that's a very cheap fine. <laughs> so cheap, in fact, I could pay. I could have paid. Well, that. it was nineteen oh nine money. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Still four bucks for that. I mean, dang. Yeah. He placed fourth in the race. I want to know more about this race now. Like, was it like the uh, original Red Bull Air race? The Gordon Bennett Trophy, eh? Yes. Uh, that was. So there's also the Gordon Bennett uh, Automobile Cup. Yeah. Okay, it's a time trial. Oh, Gordon Bennett also ran a balloon competition. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. So the Gordon Bennett Trophy, the uh, aviation one, it's an international um, airplane race trophy awarded by Gordon Bennett Jr., the, who was publisher of the New York Herald yep. newspaper. <laughs> Interesting that uh, the Gordon Bennett right, trophies a actually trial. have a retirement clause. So after a single country has won the trophy three times consecutively, uh, it seems that the event is cancelled and that country is the official permanent winner, which is France as of 1920. But anyway, off topic. Uh, so Eugene placed fourth behind Glenn Curtis... Blairo and Latham, whose names you might recognise. Uh, Glenn Curtis, I believe, was part of the Curtis Aircraft Company. We might have spoken about him in the past. Um, nine days later, Eugene was killed in a crash when the plane he was testing dropped to the ground from six metres. And for our wacky movie... We have the 7th of September 1958 release of Queen of Outer Space. 
This was directed by Edward Burns and starred Eric Fleming and Zaza Gabor. And the plot is that American astronauts are drawn to the planet Venus, which is inhabited only by beautiful women and their despotic queen. <laughs> uh, can, can you imagine if there was... Um... So if, if there was the king of outer space and it was uh, astronauts were dr- drawn by mysterious force to the planet Mars. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a sequel some <laughs> film students should make. <laughs> and it's just like a bunch of scantily clad muscly men instead of <laughs> like Amazons. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. The sissy men from China will go to this planet. <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and their king is a muscly man <laughs> so the uh, producer Walter Wanger was released from prison a bit of nominative determinism there <laughs> for shooting his agent Jennings Lang in the green <laughs> he found out Jennings had been having an affair with his wife and shot him in the groin. <laughs> oh. Originally, the title was Queen of the Universe. <laughs> well, Queen of Outer Space, that was no, the... No, Queen of Outer Space is the new title. The original was Queen of the Universe. They renamed it during development. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and following on from last week's right, movie, yeah. out... Um, Sorry, Forbidden Planet. Queen of Outer Space reused props from Forbidden Planet. Uh, Sets and models and effects from World Without End and Flight to Mars. Uh, Zaza Gabor, who played the Queen, was upset with the actresses playing the other Venusian girls who were beauty contest winners and were significantly younger than her. She got upset that the crew was paying more attention to the tall, leggy, mini-skirted Venusians than they were to her and became difficult to work with. She gave the producer Ben Schwab such a hard time that he ended up with ulcers. The film has a... 15-minute prologue on the opening credits and the odd coincidence that the uniforms of the armed women on Venus matching the costume of the the colours of the uniforms in the original Star Trek. <laughs> uh, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that's not Canada.com with an archive of our old episodes and new episodes. And uh, you can also find the... Uh, New po- new t- that's not canon podcasts such as Sincerely Unqualified which is uh, all about comedy movies the comedy movies the movie when the world combined you, ho- you have host Winnie and Kevin Hook a podcast rooted in comedy movie deep dives these well, co-hosts now discuss entertainment news and review the hottest movies re- released each week And remember, kids, that's all I have for today. Time for me to bugger off now. Alright, look after yourself, stay hydrated, and we'll see you next time. Here we go.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.